In Matthew 11:28 through 30, Jesus said, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Oh, thank you so much, all of you who just led us in worship through music. Um, what a gift to offer your gifts, so thank you. Um, my name is Melanie Wolf. I am one of the campus pastors here, and I oversee discipleship ministries. Um, a few of them are in here. That's great. Um, so I'm going to start off by telling you just a few things about myself. I am a San Diego transplant. I moved here from Texas six and a half years ago. I grew up in the Deep South in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm quite confident that at this very moment, I have sweet tea and fried okra like pulsing through my blood veins. Um, I love popcorn. I do not love repetitive sounds. And I have what I like to refer to as a whale situation. What is a whale situation, you might ask? Um, I think of it as something that's like a little higher than just general interest and just a touch below an obsession. I like literally love whales. When I moved to San Diego from Texas, I was instantly taken with the ocean. I grew up swimming, lifeguarding, and generally feel quite comfortable in the water. It is a good and safe space for me. I've taken up surfing and have had an incredible girl band of surfers that I love to be in the water with. The water has been a place where I've encountered deep and abiding spiritual truths, and I want to share one of those with you this morning. During my first winter in San Diego, I was walking my kids down to school over here at Sunset View right on Hill Street, and we were walking behind this dad-son combo, and the son says, Dad... Do you think we'll see any whales on our walk today? And the dad's like, I don't know, bud. But remember, watch right out there just beyond the kelp line, and let's see if we can see any. Now, I had no idea that you could see whales from Point Loma. I did not know what the kelp line was, but I was instantly curious. Soon thereafter, a friend of mine was visiting from Northern California and began to share with me about where they were in their life. Um, and part of what they began to share with, were two really significant whale encounters, one when they were paddleboarding and one when they were on a jet ski. And I was absolutely mesmerized by the story that was unfolding because it had been incredibly significant for my friend. And as I listened, I said, I'm so curious what did this mean to you? And instantly, the reply with tear-filled eyes was, I think it was God showing up for me, and I really needed that. So over the next little bit of time, I kind of tucked that story away, but I would pray for my friend um, and pray that God would continue to show up in their life in whales or whatever way they needed. And on a particular um, week when I had been, gosh, so discouraged and lonely and like pretty near desperate, 
um, I was once again heading down Hill Street, and I was looking out at the ocean. I started to pray for myself and said, you're showing up for my friend. God, I need you to show up for me. And with tear-filled eyes and really a very weary heart, um, I saw a spout, a whale spout. looks like a puff of smoke over the water. And not really trusting my eyes or my heart at that moment, I just kind of looked for a minute, continued on down Hill Street, and sure enough, spout again, spout again. And I was like, what? I stopped and started to pay attention to people around me, and sure enough, there's people pointing, and this whale fluke heads up out of the water. And I was absolutely mesmerized. I began watching whales and learned a lot about them. One of the things is that some 20,000 gray whales will um, travel from um, Bering Sea down to Baja and back up uh, right here along the California coast, and we can literally see them out our, um, out our view. Um, I read a ton about them. Um, some students adopted a whale in my name and gave me a certificate that I have in my office. Um, it's really special. I went on some local whale watching boats, and then when I learned that there was the highest concentration of krill in Monterey Bay that had been there in years, meaning that like the highest number of humpback whales were in Monterey Bay feeding on the krill, I did what really any reasonable person would do and invited two students to join me. We left after work on a Friday in terrible traffic and a torrential downpour and drove all the way up to Santa Cruz. Um, and the next day went on a couple hour boat ride um, in wind and freezing cold, but saw so many humpback whales hovering right at the top of the water, um, blowing their spouts, breaching, and showing their flukes again and again and again. I also have a pair of binoculars in my office and have been known to watch for whales and holler when I see them. Um, because again, I'm mesmerized. I find them breathtaking. My whale situation is not just a work thing. Um, one evening as I was uh, headed back home after being in my neighborhood and um, taking my binoculars down at sunset to kind of watch whales as they were passing, I greeted my neighbor on the way back and said, oh my gosh, there were so many whales out tonight. And he goes, where were you? I'm like, it's like just a block up. And he's like, no, you cannot see whales from here. Mom, you can, I mean, you can. You totally can. He said, I've lived less than a mile from the water for most of my life, and I have never seen a whale from here. And I'm like, I, I've seen whales literally every day this week, and <laughs> this time of year, um, if I just look, I totally see them. So I realized that my neighbor had never seen any whales because either he didn't know what he was looking for or he wasn't looking at all, wasn't paying attention to what was just right there. I think the same is true for us with God. We sometimes don't see God because we don't really know what we're looking for. But I think a lot of times it's because we're not looking we're not paying attention. I believe God is all the time speaking and moving, even if I don't readily see and recognize that. Just like I know there are whales swimming in that majestic sea, whether I see them or not. 
So it raises a couple questions for us, really. Are we looking, paying attention? What are we looking for? And do we recognize God's presence and movement in our lives when we encounter it? A fascinating thing about humans is that we can generally find evidence to support whatever hypothesis we set forth. So if I am kind of having the belief that my roommate or colleague or family member is super irritating, um, I will probably find evidence to support that, right? And if I'm like, oh my gosh, my job or this class or chapel or whatever is so lame, I will probably find evidence to support that. But if the point of view that I have as I encounter the world is that God is at work in it and in me and the people around me, I believe we will find evidence to support that too. This morning and over the course of the year, we are going to be talking about some spiritual disciplines. And I want you to think of those like the binoculars that I keep in my office. They can help us see. Just like the binoculars do not like call forth or make the whales come because we know if that product existed, I would own it. That's not what they do, right? They just help us see. The same is true for spiritual disciplines. They're not magic. They don't conjure up God or make God do things, but they help us see what God is already doing. They bring God's presence and movement into our view and into greater focus. I didn't grow up in a church that overtly taught about spiritual disciplines or practices as they're often referred to. We honestly didn't even really talk about spiritual growth. Like some of you, I encountered that concept for the first time in college. And when I did, what I realized is that quite a few of the things that I had been participating in and experiencing were spiritual disciplines, like going to church and studying scripture and being part of a small group and engaging in prayer. Author Marjorie Thompson, in her book Soul Feast, defines spiritual disciplines as practices that help us consciously to develop the spiritual dimension of our lives. Like an artist who wishes to develop painting skills or an athlete who desires a strong and flexible body for the game, a person of faith freely chooses to adopt certain life patterns, habits, and commitments in order to grow spiritually. So what does growing spiritually mean? Well, it's an interesting thing, really, because this work of spiritual growth is God's work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Scripture tells us that Christ is being formed in us. And I tend to believe that this forming and growth occurs when we become aware of and respond to God in our midst. At times, that response to this awareness is, creates kind of a sudden shift, something we're like, oh, I see that and I'm changing. Um, but very often, it's pretty gradual and incremental. Author John Ortberg wrote, to grow spiritually means to live increasingly as Jesus would in our unique place. To perceive what Jesus would perceive if he looked through our eyes. To think what he would think 
to feel what he would feel, and therefore to do what he would do. Christ formed in us. Spiritual growth is not instantaneous, and as another author, Eugene Peterson, described, it is a growing and learning relationship with Jesus. He calls it a long obedience in the same direction. I love that. Spiritual growth is not just about what we believe or how we think or feel. Um, It's seen. It's experienced in our body, in our actions, in every aspect and facet of who we are and how we live. So we've named that spiritual growth isn't quick, that happens over time, as we encounter God in our lives, that it affects all of who we are. And we've named that there are tools spiritual disciplines that can function like binoculars, helping us to see God in our lives and respond in growth. There are many books written about spiritual disciplines. They talk about inward disciplines that help us grow in our intimate relationship with Jesus. They talk about outward disciplines that help us grow in how we interact with and relate to those around us in the world. They talk about things like fasting, refraining from specific things like foods or social media in order to create space for and become aware of greater hunger for God in our lives. Or showing hospitality, sharing our space and resources with those around us, people we know and people we don't know. There are practices of self-examination like confession, Reflection through things like journaling, looking at the themes and patterns, joys, and even sorrows that we encounter in our lives. Quite a few of the spiritual disciplines are things that we share together and four times a week in chapel. People giving witness to the work of God in their lives, sharing what's been happening, how God's been faithful. Participating in corporate worship together through singing and prayer. On Friday, we will share in communion together, and we'll talk about the practices of stewardship and certainly unity as we move through this year together. And again, all of these things have the same end goal, to help us see and hear and recognize God's presence and movement in our lives. My personal favorite book on spiritual disciplines is called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Albert Calhoun. In the introduction, she frames spiritual disciplines as something we are invited into as we seek to observe and emulate the life of Jesus. She quotes the words of Jesus that Jeffrey read that are found in Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion. Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
When I read this passage, everything in me responds. Are you tired? Yes, I am. Worn out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Burned out on religion? Sometimes that too, yeah. And I hear the words of Jesus inviting me, inviting us to walk with him and work with him, to watch him, and I'm in. To learn the unforced rhythms of grace, that sounds amazing. To recover my life, please. That invitation speaks to such deep places in my heart, compels me to pay attention. What is this invitation and how can I respond to it? How can I keep company with Jesus? I think that response looks a little bit different for each of us. Because responding to God's invitation presence and movement in your life needs to connect with you. I am by nature pretty reflective and I'm an absolute verbal processor. Um, I love to dialogue and be in discussion about what God's doing in my life, what I see around me. So things like small groups and mentoring relationships are natural fit for me, super easy. You may be equally reflective, but the way you respond to that Movement in your life may be through song or writing, just spending some time in silence and solitude. The point is to pay attention to what's stirring in you. What invitations might you be experiencing? Where is your heart tugged? What makes you laugh or cry? What causes you to go, huh? And then what if you could adopt some tools that could help you see all those things even more readily. I think there's a place to challenge us to practice some spiritual disciplines we might not be drawn to as well. Um, A number of years ago, I worked at another Christian university, and I shared an office with a man named Mark for eight years. And for the most part, I really deeply enjoyed um, my partnership and sharing an office with Mark. We were very, very different, uh, but we made space for each other and um, encouraged each other to grow. But the thing as I look back that was most significant in all those years of sharing office space and all those years of working relationship was a spiritual discipline that Mark had for about three years or so of our working relationship. So every day just before noon, um, his watch alarm would go off. And he would really calmly, like, complete what he was doing. Watch the alarm still going off while that happens. Completes what he's doing. He would stand up. And as he really calmly and quietly exited our office, he would turn his alarm off and be gone for about 10 minutes. When he first began to do this, I obviously said, what is happening with the watch alarm? Because I, again, do not love repetitive sounds. Um, And uh, he would sometimes leave it a little bit longer than I would prefer. But nevertheless, I said, what's going on with the watch alarm? And he said, I have become aware that I need to stop and just listen to God in my life. 
And so I have an alarm that goes off a few different times a day, and for 10 minutes, I just engage in the practice of silence. Now, from time to time, um, I would open the office door and find him engaging in this practice and just kind of quietly sit down. Or if we were in a rhythm of working independently and quietly, he would, his watch alarm would go off and he would take his 10 minutes of silence there in our space. So I would look over and see Mark push back from his desk, eyes closed, hands on his lap, palms facing up. And about 10 minutes later, the alarm would go off again, and he would seamlessly just kind of return to task. Occasionally, he would share with me what he felt like God said to him in that time, what he saw, what he realized or recognized. And I can remember more than a few occasions where he was tearful as he said to me, I sense such peace, so much love from God as I listen today. did a couple of things for me. First of all, it made me realize I did not have those pauses in my life. Not something I would generally be drawn to, but I started to wonder what would happen if I took 10 minutes just to be quiet and still, to listen to what God might be saying to me. And sometimes when Mark left, I would have my own eyes closed, palms up time. And I found myself kind of engaging with it more than I thought I would. And I went from this place of going, oh, that is different, I wouldn't choose that, to like, oh, I can do this, to really enjoying it, and then to craving it. Because what I found is that when I spent that time, like Mark did every day, when I spent that time listening, God's voice was easier for me to pick out. I started to discern things, not only in that amount of time, but just as I went through my day. And it really shifted some things for me. I recognized change in Mark. I experienced change in myself. And to be honest, our physical office space felt a little bit different. I think it's incredibly compelling to think about the fact that engaging in a spiritual practice or spiritual discipline yourself might not only impact your growth and your orientation towards worship, but it might impact those around you and even physical space, culture, and environment also. So as we move through this year together, there's going to be lots of opportunities for us to engage in spiritual practice and disciplines. Some are going to be familiar to you and some will be brand new. But we'll point them out. We'll provide some time. And we're going to invite you to join us to participate. And though I know you may be thinking what I was thinking when I first encountered Mark and his moments of silence, um, I'm going to ask that we spend the next 90 seconds engaging in silence right here in this space. So just listen, pay attention to what God may be stirring in you even right now.
That time may have felt short to you, may have felt incredibly long. But I invite you to continue trying things like that. What would happen to create some pause in your life? What might you hear? What might I hear? What might we see together? Borrowing heavily from the work of author Adele Aber Calhoun again, um, we're going to be thinking about spiritual disciplines in a few different groupings or themes, and we're going to focus on one of those each month. So in September, we have highlighted some of the practices of sharing life together, like small groups and mentoring, engaging in service. In October, we're going to be looking at um, incarnating and embodying the love of Christ. In November, we're going to look at the practices of worship, like gratitude and communion and celebration. And as I've been thinking about these opportunities this year, it's really made me think about my relationship with Mark and watching him engage in this practice that I was introduced to. It's made me wonder what would happen on our campus if we were collectively leaning into unforced rhythms of grace? What would happen if we were each and then collectively seeking to keep company with Jesus? Watching around us. Spiritual disciplines not only help us see and hear and recognize God's movement in our life, but they also unite us with Jesus followers around the globe, and even throughout time. So practicing them together is one of the ways that we can engage in this work of oneness that we've been talking about already this year. One of the ways, I believe, that we can experience and then reflect on the love of God. And I have had such powerful moments of kind of joining with other people in the same thing, right? whether it's being at a concert and all singing the same song um, or being at a sporting event and cheering on right near victory, especially when it's an upset. There is something significant about giving to a cause together, being united with other people in the same pursuit, whatever that may be. What if spiritual growth was our collective pursuit? What would happen in this place, in my heart, in our relationships, on our campus, and then far beyond. What might it look like if we came into every day with the point of view, the perspective, the hypothesis that God was at work in me, in you, in us, around us, and we were committed to watch for that, to pay attention? I think it'd be amazing. Because it's a Wednesday, um, we have opportunity for prayer and anointing. And maybe there has been something stirred in you, some invitation that you realize, I've been hearing that. I haven't been paying attention. I want to do that. Maybe you, like me, as I was walking down Hill Street, are just desperate for God to show up in your life. Come and pray. And regardless of that, As you move through this day, this week, and the rest of the semester, let's be on watch together. Let's pay attention to how God is moving in our lives. And as we share that together, I believe it will make a tremendous difference. 
God, we thank you for this morning, um, for the time and space to listen to you, to share in worship together, and to experience Christ being formed in us as we respond to your work in our lives. And I do pray for many, many opportunities to see you. Give us eyes. Give us the moments of pause to step aside and look and pay attention. And I thank you that you're speaking and moving. We so look forward to watching that and experiencing that this year. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great day.